Welcome to the teaching ministry of The Cause Church. We pray you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed as you listen to the Word of God. Happy Easter! Happy Resurrection Day, everybody! Good to see you guys! Love you guys! So glad that you're here, and I know we have people outside. Thanks for being patient. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining us online as well. We love you so much, and uh, just so glad that you're with us today. My dad started a Easter tradition, which I'm going to continue, where he would come prepared with three jokes, and he would let you choose. Are you ready? Are you guys ready over there? All right, okay. You don't look like it, but that's right. Joke number one, the man on his deathbed. Joke number two, the mother-in-law. Joke number three, the children's sermon. All right, tell me, which one do you want? You got to vote. One, two. I think it's two. It's been two at every service. Wow. What's it with you guys and your mother-in-laws? If your mother-in-law is sitting next to you, you better be careful. You might not want to laugh at this. A man was on vacation in Jerusalem with his family when his mother-in-law suddenly died. He went to make arrangements to get the body back home, and the consulate said that it would cost $5,000 to have the body shipped, or he could have her buried in Jerusalem for just 150 bucks. <laughs> Man thought about it for a moment and said, no, I'd, I'd like to have her shipped. The consulate was amazed. Wow, you must have really, really loved your mother-in-law. He said, no, it's not so much that. I just remember a case here years ago where they buried someone, and on the third day, they arose. <laughs> and I just can't take that chance. I just like looking at the faces when I say something like this. Some of you are like. All right, well, for those of you that didn't laugh, this joke's for you. I'm going to give you another one, a bonus one. Joke number three, the children's sermon. What do you mean, no? What? <laughs> this is my favorite of the three. A Baptist pastor was presenting a children's sermon, and during the sermon, he asked the children if they knew what the resurrection was. Little boy shot up his hand, and the pastor called him and called on him, and the little boy said, I know that if you have a resurrection that lasts longer than four hours, you better go to the doctor immediately. <laughs> oh, my wife's not here. I don't care. Shoot. My dad's up in heaven laughing right now. So I'm proud of you, son. <laughs> oh, all right, okay, let's pray. Lord, we thank you, we love you. Speak to us today. Feel your presence, power in here already. Lord, speak to us, encourage us, challenge us today in Jesus' name. If you agree, say amen. Amen, amen. amen. We're now over two years into this global COVID pandemic. It's changed our world and, and impacted all of us in different ways. And I know many people that have 
lost jobs. I know marriages that unfortunately have kind of fallen apart. I know many loved ones we've lost and have passed. I know anxiety, de- depression have skyrocketed. And, and there's just a lot of people that feel hopeless, maybe in their life in general or some aspect of their life. And maybe you've said or thought things before like, you know, there's no light at the end of the tunnel. And is this ever going to change? And I can't handle it anymore. I'm a Raiders fan. Are we ever going to win anything? <laughs> no, you won't. Uh, by the way, sorry. Feeling hopeless is a terrible, it's a terrible feeling. It's a terrible place to be in your life. But I got good news for you today. There's always hope. There's always hope. Look at the person next to you and say, there's always hope. Come on, there's always hope. If you have your Bible, would you turn with me to Luke chapter 24, Luke chapter 24. If you don't own a Bible, we'd love to give you one. Come up to the front after service. In fact, go ahead and stand your feet with me if you would. I like to do this often when we read the Bible because there is nothing more powerful than the Word of God. It is divinely inspired, and it changes our lives when we hear it and when we apply it. Jesus had been crucified on Friday. He had been buried in an empty tomb, and here we are early Sunday morning. Now, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them. You might think, where were the men? Easy, they were sleeping, <laughs> or they were, they were afraid too, actually. They came to the tomb bringing the spices which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. And then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. (laughs) Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. And then they returned from the tomb and told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. As you're seated, tell the person next to you, say, your Easter best is way better than everybody else's. You look hot today. Come on, tell somebody. (laughs) It's a little awkward if you're sitting next to your brother or sister, but. I want to give you five reasons there's always hope. Five reasons there's always hope. Number one, there's always hope because Jesus is alive. He is not here. He is risen. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is by far, by far, nothing even compares or nothing even comes close. It is by far the most important and significant event in all of history. It split history into two, B.C. and A.D. It is the cornerstone of Christianity. The Apostle Paul, who had an encounter with the risen Jesus, he writes in in one of his letters, 1 Corinthians 15, about the significance of the resurrection. And he talks about how Jesus appeared to so many different people after he rose from the dead for a period of 40 days. He says that at one time he appeared to over 500 people at the same time. 
If I told you that the other night I hung out with LeBron James at the Chick-fil-A in Brea, some of you would be thinking, I hope you talked about how terrible the Lakers were this season and how he better fix them next year because he's running out of time. I wouldn't talk to LeBron James about that. I'd be too scared. But if I told you that I hung out with LeBron James and that I had dinner with him and then he went and had crumble cookies with Pastor Junior and then he went to Brea Junior High and played a pickup basketball game with Pastor Judy as she was breaking ankles. <laughs> if, if several, if 500 people in the service stood up and testified, you might not believe me if I just said I saw him, but if 500 plus people said, oh yeah, I did, I saw Pastor John there, it's true, he did actually see LeBron James, you would probably, very likely, you would believe because of undeniable eyewitness testimony. One of the reasons that Christianity spread literally like a wildfire in a Roman Empire that was trying to crush it 2,000 years ago is because Jesus had appeared, the resurrected Jesus had appeared to hundreds of people, and they all went around in Jerusalem and said, you might not believe this, but I saw him with my own two eyes. Jesus isn't dead, he's alive. And so the hundreds quickly turned into thousands, and the thousands, the tens of thousands, and hundreds of thousands, and then millions, and within a, hundred, a couple hundred years, overtook the Roman Empire. So it was the national religion of the Roman Empire. And here today, Easter Resurrection Sunday, 2022, 2.39 billion, with the B, people on the planet are followers of Jesus Christ. That's one out of every three people. How could that possibly happen, men and women? One word, resurrection. God said, I'm gonna come to my own creation. I'm gonna come to this planet. I'm gonna die for the sins of all of humanity, and then I'm gonna prove that I'm God by coming back to life three days later. Anyone who predicts their own death and resurrection and backs it up is worth following in my book. And Jesus said in John chapter 11, verse 25, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. He didn't say, I was the resurrection, or I will be the resurrection, or I give resurrection. He says, I am, right now, present tense. I am the resurrection and the life. And then he said, anyone who believes in me, the word believe, it means to put your faith or trust in him. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. That's a direct reference to everlasting and eternal life. And then he asks a question to Martha. Do you believe this, Martha? Do you believe this? Men and women, that question that Jesus asked 2,000 years ago to a lady named Martha, he asked every single one of us today. Do you believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life? That is a question that you need to settle in your heart if you haven't yet before you leave service today or before this message is done because how you, affect, how you answer that question, excuse me, affects all of your eternity and it affects how you're gonna live the rest of your life. Whether you're gonna live with hope or without hope. <laughs> I wanna tell you this morning, that hope has a name. His name is Jesus. He is the living hope. And because he's alive, we can know him and we can walk in a personal relationship with him 
every single day. By the way, the next two weeks, I don't know if you caught it in church news, but I'm going to be talking about how do we recognize and hear God's voice in our lives. I'm going to be talking about how do we know what God's will for our life is. And next week, we have, I think we have Chick-fil-A and Krispy Kreme and In-N-Out. All three of those things are God's will for your life. The Apostle Paul, as I mentioned, who had, who had met the resurrected Jesus on the road to Damascus, Paul was actually a religious terrorist. He was killing Christians and imprisoning them. And then he meets Jesus and everything changes. But he says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 10, he says, I want to know and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. Listen, you can know for yourself, you can experience for yourself God's love and his peace and his joy and his presence and his power in your life. Somebody ought to say amen. Number two, there's always hope because my sin is forgiven. There's always hope because my sin is forgiven. Sin is not a popular topic. You're not going to see it trending on social media today. But the truth is that sin affects and infects every single one of us. Sin is essentially selfishness and rebellion against God. Ultimately, it's a pride kind of issue, saying, God, you know, even if you don't believe in God, I want to live life my own way. Ain't nobody going to tell me what to do. It's choosing to live life your own way instead of God's way. And by the way, God's ways are always better. They're always better. Your greatest need in life is not to make more money. It's not to have a better job or buy a bigger house or have a nicer car or marry the right person or even for your favorite sports team to win a championship finally. Your greatest need in life, men and women, is forgiveness from your sins. I'm just like you. I'm a sinner who needs a savior. And so Romans 4.25 says he, referring to Jesus, was handed over to die because of our sins. And he was raised to life to make us right with God. The resurrection is the validation of the crucifixion. On Friday, when Jesus shed his sinless, perfect, holy blood on the cross, the Bible says that before he took his last breath, he cried out with a loud voice, it is finished. You know what that means? It means paid in full. It means that all of your sin, all of your brokenness, all of your rebellion, all of your selfishness, every wicked, vile, evil thing you've ever thought, said, or done, he took it on himself in the cross. He paid for it in his own blood. And then three days later, because he rose from the dead, it proves that everything he went through on Friday was good. <laughs> That's why it's called Good Friday. 1 Corinthians 15 says, and if Christ has not been raised, if he has not been raised, then your faith is useless. In other words, we're all wasting our time right now. Your faith is useless and you are still guilty of your sins. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. So our sins have been taken care of. You might think, yeah, you know, I'm not sure, you know, whatever. <laughs> I'm not sure I, I buy that. You might feel hopeless today. 
because of decisions that you've made. You might be in a bad place today. You might think you're in a deep pit, you're too far gone, you're in too deep, you've made too many bad decisions. Well, I wanna show you a quick story about some of my friends, this will encourage you. I always knew Jesus just like I always knew my family since my youngest memories. Uh, walking away from that and choosing to be selfish, um, you know, not focusing on God and Jesus, I lived my own life for myself. I hated myself for a long time and uh, was homeless, hooked on uh, meth, I would use all kinds of drugs. Uh, I'd go from, you know, wanting to be arrested and, and locked up to wanting to die and to not caring about what happened to me. I've been arrested about uh, 13 times um, from anything from drunken public possession to petty theft, grand theft, strong arm robbery, assault with a deadly weapon, and attempted murder. Um, I actually uh, stabbed a person four times in self-defense and they almost died. And um, you know, at the time I didn't care if I was locked up for life or if they lived. Uh, I believe God spoke to me in a dream uh, where I was the victim and I was in the hospital. And when I woke up, I thought, I said to myself, I hope he lives and I hope I get free. And I did, you know, and God's restored me and I've made amends to that person since. I grew up always knowing who God was. I stepped out of that alignment and I stepped into darkness around 2005, 2006. And man, that darkness is dark. Um, I followed my flesh to the gates of hell and through many, many incarcerations. Um, I once had 18 misdemeanors and 13 felonies. Each time God was trying to get my attention. The most damaging thing I've ever done is aborting my three-month-old child. And I knew that um, God had revealed his gender to me. It was a boy and I know that um, he is with Jesus now and waiting for me. but. That was really, really tough because I knew what I was doing. And I remember going into Planned Parenthood and they're like, forgive her not, she knows not what she does. And I remember those people picketing in the line and I still chose that for my life. And I was like, there is no way that God will ever forgive me for this. Eventually finding Jesus, I learned to love myself. And um, you know, rock bottom has been defined as being spiritually bankrupt, and I was definitely there. Me and Pete met about 12 years ago um, in Celebrate Recovery, which is so beautiful, you know. We met at our very bottoms. I had maybe like a month sober, and I didn't know up from down, didn't know what I was doing, but I knew that I, I had this resilience in me, you know, and I met Christ there. I was drug addicted, cursing every other word, <laughs> you know. Um, I, was, I was in a dark place, but God's like, yep, I'm gonna use you, let's do this together. And I surrendered. Today with God, with the 12 steps, with Jesus as my center, with like-minded people around me and learning to help others, I've come to a place where I truly do sincerely love myself and it took me years uh, to find that. It's been 13 years now since I've used any drugs or alcohol. Um, We've been very blessed uh, nonstop. I have a list of answered prayers and blessings 
so grateful beyond our belief. I'm so grateful that two broken kids met at Celebrate Recovery, have surrendered their all, and we get to sponsor or mentor other men and women. We get to show up and be accountable. We get to help people build their lives from the ground up. Me and Pete met and we had zero dollars in our bank account. We were taking the bus. We didn't have license. We had POs. You know, our probation officers uh, used to tell us, you cannot leave this county. Don't even think about it. And today we get to travel the world with our family. We get to have our two young daughters, or Madison and Michaela. They are just the joy of our lives and we get to start fresh, you know. And I want to speak to that, that like, you know, a lot of people think, well, my families, we're all addicts, alcoholic, they're dysfunctional, so therefore uh, that dysfunction runs. No, we decree and declare that that is not going to be our end. We will absolutely create new beginnings, new fresh starts, right? New, new, new paths for our kids. And we went from being homeless to being homeowners. Uh, you know, we used to be hopeless dope fiends, and today, through Christ, we're dopeless hope fiends. My worst day with Jesus is better than my best day in my addiction. Yeah, and even in our darkest day in Jesus, we found hope. Only the Lord can do that. And Peter and Deanna right there, right there. Do you get emotional watching your own testimony video, Deanna? Do you really? Peter and Deanna are leaders of our Celebrate Recovery ministry. Now, Deanna's on staff with us. Every Friday night, seven o'clock, helping people overcome hurts, hangups, and habits. Friends, if, he could, if Jesus could do it for them, he could do it for you. There's, there's no sin he can't forgive. There's no pit he can't pull you out of. There's no past he can't redeem. There's no guilt or shame that he can't break off your life. He is in the transformation business and he's very good at it. Jesus says that anyone who believes in me will be born again, that you'll have new life. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a brand new person. The old is gone and the new has come. Wow. Number three, there's always hope because Jesus defeated death for me. <laughs> he defeated death for me. Saturday, February 20th, 2021, last year, my dad died, graduated to heaven. And my mom and dad, my mom's on the front row, Bob and Sherry founded this church January 2005, led the church for over 16 years, lead pastors. My dad was not only my pastor, he was my hero. He was my best friend. I was closer to my dad than anybody other than my wife. My dad is the best man I've ever known. I've known a lot of good men too, a lot of them just in my own family. I, I'm, I know that I'm blessed. And uh, it was devastating blow to me, to our church family. I've, I've talked a lot about it this last year. I've cried a lot <laughs> and um, just been in, in deep pain, deep grief. But the Lord's healing me. He's comforting me. Uh, but I tell you this with complete honesty, men and women, there's not one time that I felt hopeless. Because even though I grieve, I grieve with hope. Because death is an enemy, but it's a defeated enemy. And I know that I know that I know that when I get to heaven, I'm gonna see my dad again. Death is defeated, 1 Corinthians 15, 57. But thank God. He gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
2 Timothy 1.10, since the appearance of our Savior, nothing could be plainer. Death defeated, life vindicated. Jesus doesn't do death. <laughs> if you read the Gospels, Jesus went to three funerals that are recorded. He ruined all three of them. Because <laughs> the person that was dead, he raised back to life. Jesus doesn't do death. Jesus only does life. That's why he said, John 10, 10, he said, the reason I, I have come, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Another version says, I came that you would have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. I, sometimes I think of the old Jerry Seinfeld joke where he says, Americans, two, top two fears. Number one is the fear of public speaking. Number two is the fear of death which means that if you go to a funeral, you'd rather be in the casket than giving the eulogy. <laughs> I always thought that was funny. Listen, if you know the Lord, if you're a Jesus follower, you don't have to fear death. I'm not saying you want to die. I don't want to die, but I'm not afraid of dying. Death is defeated. I have victory over death because of Christ. Hebrews chapter two says, because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had, notice that's past tense because he doesn't anymore, who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. Maybe you're here today, you're watching online, and you, you're a slave to the fear of dying Listen, you could walk out of here. You could leave here today. God can break that off of your life. Number four is this. There's always hope because I have his resurrection power in me. <laughs> it's, it's real quiet in here, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to unpack this as quickly as I can. After Jesus was betrayed, on the night he was betrayed, his closest friends, the 12 disciples, all of them abandoned him. When he was crucified, only one of his followers, John, was anywhere close to the cross. All of them fled and were terrified. They were completely uh, immobilized by fear because they saw what happened to Jesus and they were afraid that they were gonna get arrested, they were gonna get tortured, and they were gonna get crucified. And they were disillusioned, defeated, despondent. They were helpless and hopeless. And they were like that basically, till Jesus appeared to him three days later, but then their lives were completely and totally transformed when they received the power of the Holy Spirit, the resurrection power. Jesus said, he basically told them this. He says, guys, I'm gonna die. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be resurrected. I'm going back to heaven. And when I do, when I do, I am gonna send the power of the Holy Spirit, the same spirit in me, I'm gonna give to you. And men and women, in Acts chapter one, verse eight, Jesus said, you will receive power. Say power. Come on, say it again, say power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When these men in Acts chapter 2, when they received the promised power from Jesus, they were absolutely and totally transformed. They had a courageous confidence and a contagious hope that could not be contained. They were not afraid of anybody or anything. 
They were ready to take on the entire Roman Empire. They were emboldened because they had been empowered. Ephesians chapter 1 says, I also pray, this is my prayer for, for you today, I also pray that you, you and I, will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. Listen to this. This is the same mighty power. Say those words with me. Say same mighty power. Come on. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. One of the almost unbelievable truths about knowing the Lord is that the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit who lived in Jesus, who filled him with God's love, who empowered him to do signs and wonders and miracles, and then who raised him from the dead, the same Spirit, the same Holy Spirit, men and women, if you know the Lord, he lives in you. And he fills you with God's love. And he empowers you to do signs and wonders and miracles in his name. And he is gonna raise you from the dead. Come on, if that's not, if that's not good news, I don't know what is. His resurrection power dwells within you and is available to you every single day. It's the power to heal you from your past. It's a power to free you from any hurt, hang up, or habit. It's a power to change you when you can't change on your own. It's a power to fill you with God's love. It's a power to make you a better husband or wife, a better dad or mom. It's a power to keep you going when you feel like giving up. It's a power to overcome any obstacle or challenge that you will ever face in your life so that it'll never be hopeless. It is resurrection power in you. He's the God of resurrection, which means that he can breathe life and power into anything that's dead. Some of you in here today, you might be here by yourself or maybe you're with your spouse, but your marriage is dead. He can breathe resurrection power into your marriage. Some of you, your finances are dead. You've been searching for a job, you can't find one. God can breathe resurrection power and give you a better job than you've ever dreamed of. Some of you, your body is dying right now. You're sick, you have a terminal disease. Cancer's been spoken over your life. He is the healer. His resurrection power can touch you and turn everything around in your life. He can resurrect your dead life and give you abundant and eternal life. He can resurrect your joy and break depression and fear and anxiety off your life. You don't have to take medication your whole life. He can resurrect your hope and fill you with a passion to live for him. He's the God of resurrection. And his resurrection power is living in you. Whew. Good preaching, pastor. Get out my hanky. Good job. Number five, I gotta, we'll end here. Number five, there's always hope because heaven is my home. There's always hope because heaven is my home. Can you bring, bring that up here, Heather? Thanks so much. I need two volunteers. Oh, Mike and um, uh, Pastor Jim, thanks so much for volunteering. Good job, guys. Come on up here real quick. Mike, come on up here. Hold this thing. Pastor Jim, grab the end of that rope. All right, Mike, I want you to tie Jim up, and we're going to do a magic trick. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's what it seems like. Pastor Jim, go ahead and grab that. Just walk down the aisle and walk. keep walking. Walk out those doors. Listen, there's always hope because heaven is your home. God created you in his image. I'm gonna, I'll, I'll do a whole message on that another time. One of the things, men and women, that that means is that you are an eternal being. 
In other words, your spirit, your, your body, soul, and spirit. Body is what we see, soul is your flesh, your mind, your, I'm sorry, your soul is your mind, your will, your intellect, your emotions, but your spirit is eternal. Your spirit is gonna live forever. Ecclesiastes chapter three, verse 11 says that God has planted eternity in our hearts. You're gonna live forever. Listen, if hopefully, hopefully most of us will get 60 to 80 years of life here we go. This is our life right there. Everybody can see that. It's real. Let's hold that up. This is, this is our life. 60, 80, maybe 100 years. Thanks, Mike. Help me out here. Right here. Listen, everything in front of this, men and women, this is eternity. You're, it's not, you're not just going to live when you die. You're not just going to live dozens of years. You're not just gonna live hundreds of years. You're not just gonna live millions of years. You're not just gonna live billions of years or trillions of years. You are gonna live forever and ever and ever and ever. The, the question, the, the important question really is where? Because <laughs> there's only two choices. Thanks, Mike, you can sit down. Jesus said in John chapter three, verse 16, most famous verse in the Bible. He said, for this is how God loved the world or God loved the world so much in this, that he gave, God gave his first and his only, God gave his one and only son, that whoever or everyone, hey, that's good, that includes me, that includes you, all of us, he didn't exclude anybody, that everyone, anyone who believes, puts their faith or trust in him, will not perish, but have eternal, everlasting life. God, God loves you more than then you literally can possibly comprehend. His love for you and I, by the way, is not based on who you are, it's based on who he is. Which means that he'll never stop loving you. You don't have to believe in him, you could curse him, you could call him every name in the book, he'll still pursue you with his love. He'll never stop loving you. The Bible says his love is everlasting. And this, this is amazing. This, this God who loves you with an everlasting, never-ending, infinite, passionate, unconditional kind of love wants to give you everlasting life. He wants you to know him right now in this life and then spend eternity with him forever. Eternal life is called heaven. Eternal death is called hell or eternal separation from him. That's not popular in our culture. There's some churches who don't even preach about hell anymore because they're afraid it offends people. It's what God's word says, men and women. We were created, we were not created for hell. We were created for heaven. And heaven, I don't know what you think about heaven. You know, it's depicted and, and kind of mocked sometimes in our media. It is not you floating on a white cloud with a white robe with a, a bunch of white people <laughs> and a harp. That sounds horrible. That's not what heaven is. The Bible gives us some glimpses, but let me tell you, the greatest thing about heaven is that God in all of his fullness, in all of his power, in all of his glory, in all of his love is there. And the kind of love and joy and peace that you and I will experience for eternity is beyond comprehension. I think it's also great too that we get to see our loved ones who knew the Lord and went before us. I get to see my dad again. <laughs> I get to see Grandpa Chuck. I get to see Grandpa Roy and Grandma Marge and 
Grandpa Howard and Grandma Lucille and Grammy and Granddad, all my relatives, all my friends, some of, that, some of whom I buried the last couple of years. I get to see him again in heaven. My friend Sean and Carlos and Eric, I'm going to see him again. I get to have a new resurrected body with no more pain, no more sickness. Come on, there's always hope because heaven is my home. You know what I think? I don't know, this might help somebody. I think like this sometimes. Sometimes, you know, things come up and, and you know, you get, I, I feel afraid. I feel, I, I can't do that. You know, I don't want to do that. And Listen, I think the worst case scenario is that I, I, I have a run for this. I take a step of faith. I go for it and I die. <laughs> but if I die, the last breath that I breathe here on earth, my next breath will be in heaven. So I might as well live my life for Jesus all out. I might as well live my life for his glory. I might as well take a step of faith. There's always hope because heaven is my home. He's not here. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He ain't here. He's risen. And because Jesus is alive, hope is alive. I want you to close your eyes for a moment, if you would, and give the gift of privacy, even if you're watching online or, or outside. Listen, you might be here. You might be listening to my voice today, and you feel hopeless. Maybe your life, every part of it feels hopeless. Maybe there's just one part of, of your life that feels hopeless. I want to pray for you this morning. I want to pray for you. So if you say, John, would you pray for me? There's an area of my life that feels hopeless. I need the Lord to come in, bring resurrection. Just raise your hand. You, you don't need to look at me. Just raise your hand. Lots of hands up. Hold them high. Hold them high. Hold them high. Nobody else is looking around. Just me and, and you. Father, we just come right now in the mighty name of Jesus. All of my friends here today, Lord, I don't know what the situation is. It's different for all of them. Facing hopeless circumstances, and they might just feel hopeless in their life. Lord, I pray through the power of the Holy Spirit that you would come in. You would touch each one of them. Breathe life, as Pastor Junior just said a few minutes ago. Breathe resurrection. Bring hope. Push out fear and anxiety and depression. I come against the thoughts and the spirit of suicide that some have right now to even take their own life because they feel hopeless. Jesus, come in in a powerful way. Touch them right now. Touch them with your love. Touch them with your presence, Lord. In Jesus' name. You can put your hands down. Go ahead and just open up your eyes and, and look at me. I want to do one more thing before I'm done. I asked a question a few minutes ago. I think it's the most important question you could ever ask yourself. Do you believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life? Men and women, there is, there is no other way to have a relationship with God except through his son, Jesus can't be religious enough, you can't be good enough, you can't come to church enough, you can't give enough money away. Jesus in John chapter 14, verse 6, he says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. He is the resurrection and the life. And everything that he did for you and I on the cross, in dying, he died in your place to pay the price for your sins. He rose from the dead to give you abundant and eternal life. But listen, God has done everything, and he gives us free will. That's part of being made in his image is that you and I have free will. We can choose to accept him or choose to reject him.
to push him out of our life, which is what hell is. That's eternal separation from God with no chance of coming back. You, you and I have an opportunity right now to respond to his love, to respond to his salvation, to respond to Jesus. The Bible says today's the day of salvation. Listen, you have to make that choice. Nobody can make it for you. As much as you know, your wife, your husband, or your friend, family member might love you, they want you to know the Lord, you have to decide that for yourself. You have to open up your heart. You have to surrender your life to him. Say, Jesus, come in, be my Lord. That means be my boss, be my CEO. I want to live for you. Be my savior. That means I want you, I, I need you. I want you and need you to forgive me of all my sin. Maybe you've never made that decision before. Today's the day of salvation. What better day than Resurrection Day 2022? You'll never forget. Maybe you prayed a, a, a prayer, but you walked away from the Lord. You're like Peter and Deanna, both with, you know, whatever, kind of knew God and just walked into darkness. Deanna said, I didn't realize how dark the darkness can get. You find yourself here today wanting to come back to the Lord, missing his love and his presence in your life. My dad used to always say this. He says, God isn't mad at you, but he is mad about you. And he's just waiting for you to respond, waiting for you to come back. And he will wrap his arms of love and forgiveness and kindness and grace around you. You got to make that decision. I want to give you that opportunity right now, friends. Would you close your eyes one more time? If you're here today, maybe you're watching online, maybe you're outside, you can respond too. You say, John, I want to make that decision. I want to come into relationship with God through Jesus for the first time, or I'm coming back to him. I'm making a recommitment today. I'm, I'm repenting. I'm turning around, and I'm going to live life God's way. You need to come back to the Lord. On the count of three, I want you to raise your hand in a moment. Today's the day. You're the person. If you make the choice, God will make the change. That's what he does. On the count of three, there's going to be a lot of people who respond here right now. One, two, three. Raise your hand and hold it up high. Hold it up high. Hold it up high until I see you. Awesome. I see you right there. That's awesome. One, two, three. I see you guys. Four, five, six, seven, eight over there. Nine in this section. Ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen back there. Keep your hand up until I see you. Fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen. Awesome. Eighteen. Wave at me if you didn't think I, I've seen you. 19, I see you back there in the corner. 20 over there. 21. I saw at least somebody in the back right there. 22. At least 22 hands that I can see. Listen, open up your eyes, if you would, everybody. I want to do one other thing. I, want, I might have missed somebody, so I'm, I want to do this. I've, I've, we've done this at almost all of our other services. There's something so powerful. Jesus said that if you confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father in heaven. But if you deny me before men, I will deny you before my Father in heaven. I want to do one other thing. For those of you who raised your hand, I want to invite you in just a moment to get out of your seat and come to the front. I want to shake your hand if I can. I'm going to lead all of you in a prayer of confession and salvation. And the rest of us, we're going to applaud for you, and then we're going to sing as you walk forward. I can't force you. I won't call anybody out. It's up to you. It'll be your first steps of faith. In fact, if you invited somebody today, don't pressure them. Don't make them feel bad. But if you brought somebody with you, why don't you ask them, say, hey, do you need to go up, up front? I'll go with you. Pastor seems nice enough. <laughs> 
I want to do that right now. I want everybody to stand to your feet if you would. Come on, friends. There's at least 22 people that I saw. If you raise your hand, maybe you didn't, but you want to get out of your seat right now and come to the front. Come on, let's give them a big round of applause. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be ashamed. All of heaven is celebrating right now. Come on, get out of your seat. Come to the front. Come forward right now. Come on, let's sing. Thanks for listening to this message from The Cause Church. For more information about The Cause or for further resources, visit our website, thecause.cc or call 714-255-0930.